a fun question to start things off is if you could speak any other language what would you speak i think if i could speak another language besides english it would be italian because i have a very unfetchable dream of living in italy and i would need to be able to speak italian to like really live there so i think that would be cool or spanish because that would be really beneficial but like if we're talking about just for fun it would be italian if i could speak any other language it would be mm, i don't know like french because i want to go to paris and watch ratatouille um but like if um i re- if i was like super into my culture i would try to figure out like which uh you know i don't know what it's called but like the native language that i am supposed to speak i don't know if my family ever actually had that but it'd be cool to figure out if i did and try to figure it out because i know that that in mexico there's a lot of dying native languages all right if i had to pick any language that i could speak i think i would go with japanese just because i really want to go to japan and i feel like that would be very hard because it's like so different than like english or spanish it's not rooted the same way like from a what's called latin language it's not rooted from like that same basis like totally different so i feel like that would be hard to accomplish but i would really love to like know that language if i could learn any language instantly i would probably go with norwegian um, because all of my relatives on my mother's side are norwegian um and when we're at like family gatherings and stuff they pretty much speak exclusively in norwegian to each other and i always feel like i like want to know what they're saying like are they saying inside jokes and stuff but in a more practical standpoint i would say that spanish would probably be the most useful to me uh, because there are so many places in the united states where um having both english and spanish uh, is like super beneficial to being a teacher Hello and welcome to Oh Yes with Yuli, Sarah, Olaf, and M. Hello, this is M, and this week's theme is going to be translanguaging. First, we're going to start off with um, answering some discussion questions, and then we're going to have Yuli talk about her personal experience as a bilingual student from a bilingual school. And then we're gonna have at least one interview with a teacher from a bilingual education school. Hi everyone, it's Sarah. I wanted to ask Yuli about her experience in a bilingual school. Hi, so to start off, I went to a bilingual school in the northern suburbs. And so what my day usually looked like was starting off with Spanish, we would do like language arts and writing and I believe like one STEM class and we would go to lunch and then come back and we'd speak in English and like finish off our day. And that would include like uh, another STEM class plus our uh, like gym, our music, whatever we had for that day. We'd do that in English. Um, what I remember the most was if you spoke English during your Spanish time, your English time after lunch would be like revoked and you would only be able to speak in Spanish again. And it was like kind of a reward to be speaking English. So, cause we were like, I don't know, we kind of liked speaking English more than Spanish. Um, most of my teachers were white, but they all knew Spanish fluently and they all communicated with our parents 
um, in Spanish or in English. Like, they would do the double-sided paper where one side was in English and the other side was in Spanish. So, everyone would be included. And what I liked about this system was uh, our parents, even if they spoke Spanish, they were allowed to come into the classroom and read to us in Spanish because that was, like, something we were learning. So, every everyone's parents could be involved in this. One of the biggest things that I struggled with was grammar and how to write. But in languages or reading or speaking, like, I never really struggled. So, so would you say that your classroom experience uh, used, like, translanguagism, or did you have to code switch most of the time? I would say that in my experience, it was, like, a half and half kind of situation some students who didn't know spanish fully we would like try to help them and collaborate using translingualism but in spanish uh yeah we would also i guess do some translanguaging i guess um yeah the only time we would get in trouble is like if we were speaking the wrong language at the wrong time and that would like we would co-switch in front of the teacher which i think is like kind of funny do you think you would have been able to learn easier or, like, improve your writing if you were allowed to make connections between your languages at the same time rather than them being isolated? I think it definitely would have done better if we used the translingualism in our writing and the structure of languages. Because I, right now, I'm actually taking a linguistic class for Spanish, and I'm, like, actually starting to understand the different rules specifically between English and Spanish. And I think that's actually improving my writing right now. Do you think that if you were allowed to speak whichever language you wanted freely, uh, that most students would end up only speaking one language? So for me, I would probably continue speaking in English more. But if I was like a child, I'd probably be talking more of Spanglish. I think it was more popular in my school to speak in English because there were like a lot of English speakers in my bilingual class. So we wanted to help them connect with us. But I think it's really interesting, actually, that in, in my bilingual school, we thought of ourselves as more popular than the other half, which is only English, because, I don't know, we, we seem smarter or whatever. And it was really interesting because the white, the white students really wanted to be like us, so we would pretend that they were also Hispanic and Mexican, and they, we would like, just, like, have fun, like, eating different foods together and, like, speaking Spanish more. But if we were, like, in recess... We were, like, pretty much speaking English. So, and, and as an adult, I think I would also be speaking English way more than I would Spanish because when I think about Spanish, I connect to, like, my, I connect it to my family or, like, different cultural settings. And I'm just not comfortable speaking in Spanish because I have, like, less vocabulary words than I do in English. I'm wondering if we all think that we can use translanguaging in our classrooms, even if we're going to be, like, a bilingual teacher or not. Is anyone going to be a bilingual teacher? So this is M, and I actually want to be a bilingual teacher. I'm, I already finished my minor in Spanish, and I just kind of passed the test at this point. But um, I think it's necessary to use translanguaging in the classroom because I feel like there needs to be that connection and that bridge between both languages, and I feel like that's only going to happen in a healthy way through translanguaging because I feel like code switching is too harsh and too... Um, socially out of context I feel like and I feel like um translanguaging and showing students how to use both languages and learn how to use them based off the other language it puts both languages at the same value 
and importance rather than having one over the other? I think in my case, as someone who only speaks one language and won't be like a designated bilingual teacher, but will be like possibly an English teacher or social studies teacher, I can still use translanguaging in my classroom. And I think it will be important for me to kind of like utilize some of the tips that were in the video from class, just like creating an environment where students can use their languages like fluidly so that they can construct meaning just in the best way that that works for them because I feel like that's what's most important at the end of the day like their writing doesn't have to be perfect at first especially if I know like a student is still like learning English alongside another language even if I'm not helping them with that other language and also just the idea of like kind of giving up control over the language that is spoken in my classroom and just like learn alongside of them and learn how to help them best and let students that speak the same languages kind of like guide each other and explain things in a way that works for them and hopefully I can kind of talk to them about that so I can use it in the future too. I think that it's important even though I am a monolingual person uh, that because I likely will have bilingual or multilingual students in my classroom in the future um, I provide the resources necessary for them so like in the form of like dictionaries and and like something that we saw in uh, some of the examples from the activity guide this week was like iPads with translation apps and um, just different ways that the students can become involved with with you know using the languages to intermingle with each other um if I were to be a teacher I would totally enjoy being a bilingual teacher I want to expand on like what kids think about language and for them to not lose a part of their culture when they get into the school system and I want them to value their language um, in the same way that, that we value English. I think that when you're a bilingual teacher, it's interesting because you are connecting with multiple cultures. It doesn't necessarily have to be Spanish and English. Um, it can be like Mandarin or, you know, there's like, I don't know how many languages there are out there, but there are so many. And like one child's bound to be in there. And if we just use trilingualism, trilingualism translingualism as a way to um connect their prior knowledge and with what they're learning at the moment they're gonna succeed way more than when students only have one language we are now going to move into the interview portion of today's episode so would you like to introduce yourself yes hello i'm libby jesquitz and what is your educational background and what do you currently do? So I uh, have an undergraduate degree in elementary education that I got from Northeastern Illinois University. Um, I had a minor in Spanish and got middle school endorsements in Spanish as a foreign language and English language arts. Um, not too long after I started teaching with that degree, I got a master's in curriculum and instruction. And at that time got my EL and bilingual endorsements. Um, a few years into working with those degrees, I went back to school and got a master's in educational leadership and did my principal preparation. Um, and then most recently, I went back to school and got my um, LBS one, so um, special education background. 
um, throughout my career, I actually started as a middle school Spanish teacher. Um, and then, like I said, as I got degrees, I kind of shifted roles um, throughout all my years of teaching. So I taught EL resource for a number of years, um, switched to bilingual kinder, uh, did bilingual and gen ed kinder for a few years. And currently in my district, I am an EL coordinator. So I'm a district um, administrator um, and I've been in the education field for 24 years. That's great. And why did you choose to be a bilingual teacher and why Spanish? So I think I'm going to start with the Spanish piece. Um, And that really started because when I was growing up, my best friend uh, was from Mexico and um, she was always speaking Spanish with her family as we were over there. Um, And, you know, it was middle school. So I kind of always assumed they were talking about me and thought, man, I got to learn what they're saying. So I started studying Spanish in school um, and really just had a love for the language. Um, Like I said, I ended up teaching middle school Spanish um, as a foreign language. I got my um, bilingual approval. I just love the idea of um, being a second language learner myself. And um, when I was in college, I was able to go to Mexico. Um, I lived there and went to school for a semester with a a program that my university offered. Um, And I think when I came back and and was teaching, I realized some of the struggles and just sort of the experience that I had as a second language learner and really felt like I had um, empathy for our students and our families and what they're going to come into a new country, not necessarily knowing a lot of the language. Um, and that's really what sparked sort of my love and interest in it. Um, again, my career sort of evolved over the years. So, you know, it was it's always been around foreign language as the center, but from middle school Spanish to EL resource to bilingual to even what I do now as an admin, um, it's all about um, really our bilingual students and families and just um, you know, being able to advocate for them and um, just putting my passion and my love, um, you know, into practice. And how do you advocate for bilingual students within the classroom, your district, and the community? So I think one of the first things to think about is using data. Um, A lot of times we have to use the data that we have to advocate for our, um, you know, English learners. We really have to be able to look at multiple data points to help us make strong instructional decisions. Um, You know, access, I think, should always be the first piece that people look at. And then as a district, looking at other um, assessments that you might use. Um, I think another piece to advocate um, for our students and and families too, is just making sure that they have access to resources and support in both languages. Um, You know, we try really hard to make sure that we're providing translations for our families. Um, If we have additional programs within the district, psychs, speech pathologists, social workers, we really try and make sure that we have staff available that um, are bilingual and have that um, approval to help support both our students and their families. Um, And then another big piece of what we do is really providing guidance and support for parents through a couple of different programs that we have. We have a bilingual parent advisory council that meets monthly and have continued to do that even in this pandemic. And then we also run a really big intensive program over the summer that's called Parent University. Um, And we really try to um, pull parents to kind of see what their needs are, what resources they're looking for. 
and then really try to find either within our district or by building partnerships, um, the resources to give them what they need. Um, we recently partnered with a group called um, Kenneth Young. So the Kenneth Young Center does a lot to support the social emotional well-being of students and families. And they do have a lot of bilingual people that work with them. And we've also partnered with groups like MELDEF, which is um, a group that really targets um, and has lawyers that help advocate for the families as well. So doing a lot of partnerships, um, really building that community, um, and just really being able to, to advocate for what the students need, what our parents need, um, and what the community needs as a whole. In your past classes, did you see that students struggled with one language over the other, or did they struggle more with reading or writing or anything like that? So I would say that I didn't necessarily see students struggling with one language over the other. But I would say that in the last several years, um, and again, I've been teaching for 24, that I feel like more and more students were coming to school, both bilingual and monolingual students. Um, and they really were coming to us with um, very limited language backgrounds. I think in the age of technology, a lot of kids are um, not necessarily naming as many items or not having as many conversations. And so I do just think in general, students don't have as rich of a language background as they had in the past. Um, as far as sort of the domains develop, when you think about the language domains, writing typically is the last domain that develops for our students. Um, and I would say along with that, it's sort of that expressive language piece. So um, in the classroom and, and even now, I do still really think it's important to really focus on speaking and writing. Um, they're just areas that need a little bit of extra care and attention to, you know, really um, help students develop those those last two domains. Would you say that your class or past classes utilized translanguaging or did you separate the languages? So I think translanguaging is something that does happen naturally. Um, students tend to use both languages when they really want to express their thinking um, or if they want to share their ideas or even sometimes to access resources. Being able to provide both languages to students so they can access the content has been really helpful. Um, I would say along with that though, um, we did structure the school day to support both languages. So there were definitely some areas that we taught um, in Spanish, and then there were some other content areas where we really had to use um, English. Um, all of the programs that we have um, currently in the district and in the past are all transitional bilingual programs. So ideally, all of our students were working on um, really being fully immersed in English and being ready to fully use English by third and fourth grade. And really translanguaging just helps them kind of get there and develop at their own speed. Um, so being able to access both um, to gain information or to share information is just really a helpful tool. Have you ever had to step up to help students or families that are bilingual in ways your school's program could not? Um, I would say we always have, um, but with this pandemic this past year, we, I really feel like went above and beyond. Um, I ended up doing many home visits, really supporting families 
um, with some of the technology pieces, bringing them hot spots, helping them set it up, helping them access some of the online and digital pieces. Um, our families weren't necessarily prepared for going to at-home learning, um, and I ended up going to a lot of houses just to support families in any way um, that was possible. I think the other big piece is that we also need to advocate for students around special education. I think sometimes there are still some teachers that may want to push students to the special education route when really it could be a language issue. And so really just stepping up and making sure that um, teachers and other staff members really understand that difference between language needs and a special education need. So what can bilingual teachers and non-bilingual teachers do to support students that speak more than one language or are trying to learn English? So I think one of the first and most important things is to let students use the language that they feel most comfortable with. I would say don't put limits. You know, sometimes in the classroom, teachers want to say, oh, don't use your native language here. Um, we're focusing on English. But like we talked about with translanguaging, sometimes students need to use both. Um, I think the other thing that we really need to focus on is acknowledging the diverse backgrounds of our students and really view the idea of being able to speak two languages as an asset and not a deficit. I think for somebody like me who is, um, you know, not of a Hispanic background, um, or you think about a lot of our sort of monolingual students that get the seal of biliteracy, with us, it's really looked at as a positive, like, oh, wow, you speak Spanish, that's amazing. But I don't think people always stop and take a look at our students who are living here, who are learning English and really have two languages. They're bilingual as well, but they see it more as a deficit. Oh, that student doesn't fully speak English. And I think there's um, that's really something that we need to focus on and, and really from that asset based mindset. Um, I also think that our students and their families come to us with um, what I call like funds of knowledge. So they are bringing a wealth of information with them, um, their history, their culture. Um, they come knowing a lot of different things. Maybe they can't express that in English right now, but it's our job as teachers to find ways for them to be able to access and share um, some of those pieces that they know. Um, so. That's all really great to know. And lastly, what advice do you have for future bilingual teachers or new teachers in general? I think, um, you know, one of the questions talked about being an advocate. And I think bilingual teachers and all teachers really have to think of themselves as advocates for their students. I think bilingual teachers especially because bilingual education is not the norm, but it is so valuable and it's such an important support for our students and their families. Um, I would say the other piece of advice that I would give is to spend time developing relationships. I think you would get that time back twofold. Um, it's just so important to know your students, know your families, um, and like I said earlier, knowing your data too. It's going to really help you in the long run. That's all really great information. Thank you so much for making an appearance on our podcast. Thank you so much for having me, and I wish you all the best.